Bruce Lawn. I was minding my business on Twitter the other day and somebody tagged me in this video of Steve Harvey seemingly preaching at a church. I would say a really prosperity gospel, hyper prosperity gospel. And on this video, we're going to unpack what he said. We're going to look at what the scriptures actually said, and we're going to address the reasons why some people may be broke, why some people aren't broke, and give you some steps on how to change your economic situation if that is your goal. But before we do that, guys, my name is Ruslan. We have free resources in the description of this video, including a free How to Study the Bible course over at MasterMyDevo.com, a free Master My Habits course with my Christian therapist, Dr. Rudy, and a free niche training if you're looking to get into the YouTube space. Steve Harvey, famous comedian, talk show host, recently been making eh, some wonky theological statements. There was a, a, a video of him over in Mecca saying Islam is a peaceful religion. And then there was this clip. And by all intents and purposes, Steve Harvey is, is, is rather successful. Um, he has very different views when it comes to money. And he's a, he's a big leverage other people's money guy. He went into some debt with the IRS, I believe around $25 million, which he's paid off. And on this video, he is saying some pretty wild stuff stuff that I need to unpack because I think we really need to get a good theology of money. And theology, I know that sounds like a fancy word. All theology means is just like a study of God's word when it comes to money. What does it mean? Why do some people have it? Why do some people don't have it? All the different variables. So let's dive into this clip. This is Steve Harvey apparently preaching out of church. This is directly from his uh, Twitter page. It came out January 12th. All right, so let's jump into this video. So he's opening with the scripture that changes life. Okay, so we're going to talk about some Bible. Okay. It's in James 4 and 2. You have not because you ask not. This is the coldest thing I'm going to tell you today. You have not because you ask not. It's that simple. It's that simple. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that simple. So let's let's look at what James 4 actually says. Pick up here, James 4. Context matters. So James 4, 1 says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Okay, so first of all, this is talking about conflict, wars, not necessarily money. Okay, uh, verse two, you lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Okay, you have not because you ask not is about coveting and murdering and your approach to these things. Okay, and then verse three says you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Isn't it interesting how you just read the verse before and the verse after, and it just totally lights up? Okay, so you ask and do not receive. You ask amiss, you, that you may spend it on your evil pleasure. So, so Steve Harvey is saying you, you have not because you ask not. The verse right after this is telling you you ask and do not receive because you ask from a toxic, nasty motive that's all about you and your pleasure. Wow. Amazing that the scripture interprets itself. I don't even got to go anywhere else. The video's done. That's it. We can wrap it up. There it is. That, that's why you ask and you, do, you don't have because you ask and you have false motives. But let's keep going for the sake of this video. Verse 4, uh, adulterers 
and adulteresses do not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? So now we're transitioning into where is the, the heart and is it coming from a place of idolatry? Because if you're just asking because you want to be like the world and the world system and you want to have things like the world system to gratify your own selfish pleasures and urges, motives you're off and your desires you're off, right? Verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So, boom, here's the, here's the actual application, okay? You ask not because you have not. Oh, by the way, you ask and don't receive because you're asking from false motives, and you're asking because you want to be just like the world. But check it out. God actually resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So this entire thing is rooted in moving towards what? Humility. Most people don't have the life of their dreams because you ain't never asked God, could you have it? You've been trying to do it yourself. Most people don't have the life of their dreams because they have. Do you know how many trash SoundCloud rappers have asked God for the life of their dreams and have never gotten it? Okay? Do you know how many people that wanted to start get rich quick schemes and jump from pyramid scheme to pyramid scheme trying to get rich overnight have asked God for financial blessing and haven't gotten it? Steve Harvey, who I think means well, seems to really be detached from reality in the sense of the average person who's really out here struggling. And two, is exhibiting a bit of his own bias as someone that's defied all the odds. Okay, and that's a different concept you can Google called survivorship bias, right? Where you look at the lens of just the people that have made it and not the people that haven't made it. Because, by the way, no one gets paid to do speeches about their life at 55 if they failed at life. Okay, we only hear speeches from people at 55 who've been highly successful. And so our brains then follow the confirmation bias or rather the survivorship bias. Trying to figure your life out for it ain't yours. You ain't making you ain't the creator. You ain't got nothing to do with tomorrow. You can't change the past. So what you tripping with your life for? You have not cause you ask not. It's like, it's like he says the bad part that he says something sort of reasonable, right? Like your life is not yours, okay? And then he goes back to, you have not cause you ask not. I'm like, oh Lord. Y'all ain't never asked God could you be rich. Most people ain't rich today cause you ain't never asked God could you be rich. I oh Lord, he is the biggest oversimplification of how Christians interact with money. This is so bad. Ask God every day when I was homeless. At the lowest point of my life, I ask God every day, could I be rich? Are there a few things Mr. Steve Harvey is omitting from his entire equation of his life? So I cut a deal with him. I told God, if you let me make it, when I get there, I'm gonna, every chance I get, I'm going to tell everybody it was you. Here I am, and it was him. If you would only ask, well, Steve, what do I ask for? Everything. There is this opportunity to clarify. If you would only ask, well, Steve, what do I ask for? Everything. The world, Craig. Like, that was his opportunity to just be like, well, what you need to ask for is what Ruslan's about to tell you next, right? <laughs> but he just goes, ah, everything. What? 
When you ask God for something, it's a very simple thing. You know how I acquired a lot of stuff was because of a second scripture I'm going to tell you about. See, you have not because you ask not. You got to start asking God for big stuff. Stop wasting God's time with all this little stuff. Lord, help me make my rent. Don't he always? You keep coming up with the rent. Not everyone's making rent, bud. We just went through an economic recession because of a global panoramic. They literally froze banks needing to collect mortgages so that people didn't have to pay rent for a year. Because some people couldn't. God help me make my rent. You keep coming up with it. Has it ever occurred to you that maybe you should ask God for a mortgage? Just go ahead and ask God for the house. I have, Steve. I have. I asked God for the, We need a house. We got, we got a new baby, Steve. I've been praying for a house. My guy, you know what else I had to do? I had to earn more, and then I had to claim more, and then I had to pay more taxes, and then I had to get my credit up, and now I got to go and get pre-approved for a mortgage. Okay, that isn't just asking God for a, a, mor a mortgage, bud. There was, <laughs> this ain't Santa Claus, champ. He, he don't got a naughty and nice list. This is... <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh hey guys smash the like button real quick because we're gonna dive into some scripture and really unpack this idea when you look at it from a global standpoint you can't apply this globally this idea that everybody can be rich this idea that uh everybody can get a mortgage this idea that god is just willing to bless people if we were just to ask is very toxic and combative because there are people in parts of the world where regardless of why, and there's a, a variety of reasons why, there's reasons like the impact of other nations taking other natural resources from parts of like Africa, for example. There's parts of the world that have been hit with devastating, devastating natural events like parts of Haiti. There are parts of the world that won't, this doesn't work for, like this doesn't even work a little bit for. Right. So this is why what I'm about to say next for those of us that are in the United States that are of able body and sound mind that do have the opportunities afforded to us here. If you're of able body, and sound mind, um, that allows us to be a blessing to those people. I'll give you guys a brief example. So micro example is amazing. We did it. Thank you to everybody who contributed on my birthday. We donated my birthday. We did a live stream. And in one weekend, we raised $12,000 so that we could partner with an organization called Charity Water, an organization that a hundred percent of everything they raise goes to bringing clean water and water filtration systems in parts of the world that don't have it. And so for 10 to $25,000, you can literally revolutionize a village or a school that currently doesn't have water and it's uh the best roi in terms of their ability to farm their ability to produce more things within their community they're obviously clean water it's one of the best rois you can get is 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 giving a village clean drinking water okay and we were able to do that as a, as a community here on youtube with just one stream you guys turned up it was nuts okay because we all came together and did something like that. And so what I'm about to say next is what the scriptures actually say about money. And if we apply it individually and collectively, 
We can do more things like this in our own lives, in our local communities, and globally for parts of the world that don't have the opportunities afforded. Steve said a, a lot in here, and it, most of it was bad, okay? But I, I want to look at what, like, the scriptures actually say when it when it comes to finances, because it's, they, they say a whole lot. They say a whole lot. And we tend to go to one of these two extremes, right? We, we like to go towards the radical prosperity gospel, name it, claim it, manifest it. God will show up. He'll do it for you. You don't have to do anything. Or we like to go to the opposite extreme, which is the poverty gospel, which is like, you're more holy if you're more poor. If you don't have any money, regardless of why you don't have any money, Maybe it's because you've been a complete derelict and irresponsible with money. Maybe because you've never educated yourself on money. Maybe you don't know anything about money. Regardless on why, if you don't have any money, well, then you're more righteous and more pious and more noble, right? We go to one of those two extremes, okay? And, and the scriptures don't promote either extreme. What the scriptures actually promote is stewardship. And the word stewardship sounds fancy. It just means management. It means managing something that isn't yours. It's taking care of something that isn't yours. So we're going to go to a couple passages. Um, this is Paul uh, Acts 20, verse 35. And this is what Paul says. In everything I did, I showed you by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So here Paul is saying, listen, when I was with you, when I was with you, I demonstrated through hard work that what? We must help the weak. Okay, this is Matthew chapter 25 right? Matthew chapter 25, be a good steward, the parable of the talents. Why? So that you can help the least of these. Paul demonstrated this when his when he was in ministry because Paul was a tent maker. What does that mean? That means he worked a job or, or had a small business really because he was a tent maker and he did ministry. He did both, right? He worked hard. And so therefore when he traveled, he didn't need to initially have the churches that he preached to and have the people that he spread the gospel to take care of him because he took care of himself. Why? We must help the weak. If you've been blessed with finances, you're blessed to be a blessing. It's not just all about you, which is what James was saying. You ask not because you, you have not because you ask now, but when you ask, you ask for selfish reasons. Okay, so one, we have to acknowledge that the point of us trying to do this is so that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to the least of these as described in Matthew chapter 25. Let's go to another verse. This is um, Proverbs 28, 19 says, those who work their land will have an abundant of food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. Here is a proverb. Proverbs aren't promises. They're precepts. They're general principles that we can live life by, okay? So here it's saying, hey, listen, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their their share of poverty. When I was in the process of trying to understand money and I was going through a debt-free journey, I heard that proverb and it literally revolutionized everything about my application and approach to how I was pursuing music. Those of you guys that don't know, before I was doing YouTube full-time, which has only been about a year and a half, I was a full-time musician. I went full-time in 2015, indie musician, traveling nationally all the way up to like Canada. We never went internationally, but it was very interesting life to say the least. And I was doing music up until about 2011 as more of a hobby. And I remember listening to the radio and they read that proverb as the proverb of the day. And I thought to myself, am I chasing fantasies or is music my actual land? A lot of us are broke because we're chasing fantasies. 
You think you're good at something that you're not really that good at. Or you're good at something, but the marketplace doesn't really need it yet, maybe ever. Therefore, it's more of a fantasy and less of an actual plot to work your land. Okay? So... We have to be sober about this. Where, where are you in this spectrum? If you're good at something and there's demand for it, great. Now you got to bridge that gap through telling your story, through learning how to market it, so on and so forth. In my case, I was good at music, but I had to learn the business side. I had to learn everything else, how to have a, how to have a business plan, how to roll out albums, how to do all these different things. And as I learned these things, guess what? I became more profitable. I started listening to people. They started giving me game. And then over time, I built it out in a way where my music was profitable. And, and, and I, we did really well in 2012. And then I quit my job in 2015. And it was amazing. It was because I got hip to this verse. And I said, hey, man, this is either a fantasy or this is going to produce some abundant food for me. This is Jesus in Luke Chapter 16, verse 10. This is a very interesting parable. You should go back and read the entire parable. I don't have time to read it, but the, the, the big idea here is he says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And... If you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Okay? So here, this is the principle, again, of management and stewardship. Okay? A lot of us want a lot of things, but we haven't been faithful with very little. We haven't been faithful with what's been put in front of us. We've been winging it. We haven't been living life with a plan. We've been doing our own thing. And then we hear Steve Harvey and Steve Harvey says, you just need to pray bigger prayers. Ask God for everything. No, you know what you need to ask God for? Ask God to be more faithful and present to what's in front of you in this season. Ask God that he would make you useful to other people. Which brings us to our next verse. I think this is 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to what? To serve yourself? No. To serve others as what? Here's that word again. As faithful stewards, as faithful managers of God's grace in its various forms. There's various forms of God's grace right? That means that my ministry is going to look different than your ministry. The local church is going to function different than the charity water organization that's trying to bring clean drinking water. However, you are called to use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. We're stewards of this grace of Jesus with our lives, with the gifting that we have, with needing to go out and make disciples, with caring for people, right? So on and so forth. This is Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. Here, this is, this is it. This is financial literacy for you. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. Okay, so he's talking about this, the ant. He's like, look, look at the ant. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. It has no boss. It has no mom. It has no wife or spouse to nag them. Yet, it stores its provisions in summer and it gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and poverty will come upon you like a thief and scarcity, like an armed man. So, and it's saying, look at the ant. The ant intrinsically knows that when the harvest comes, 
I need to squirrel some away for when there's a rainy day. I know my, my metaphors are all messed up with the ant and the, and, and, and the, and the squirrel, right? But if we're, if we're mindful with the skills that we have and we're not praying for, Lord, make me rich, Lord, make me, give me everything. We go, hey, God, make me useful to people. Help me solve people's problems. Help me be effective, not for my glory, but that if you were to bless me and expand what's under my dominion here on this side of eternity, that I may be a blessing to others, that I may, first of all, take care of my household and my home and my family, then my extended family, and then take care of my extended community and so on and so forth. That you're not storing up treasure for yourself. You're storing up treasure so that you may be a blessing to others. We're blessed to be a blessing, right? So this idea that if you just pray big prayers, God is just going to do it. This idea that if you just if you just manifest it, your thoughts become things is hogwash. Now, here's what I will say. What you believe about the world will determine how you behave. Okay, and this is what I mean. Some of you guys are watching this. You're triggered. You've maybe only made a certain amount. You hear me talking and I'm telling you, hey, you need to make yourself more useful. You need to develop more scarce skills. If you're of able body and sound mind, you need to develop more scarce skills. You can do that by what? By starting to skill stack the skills you already have. I had certain skills from learning how to use a computer. I knew how to use a computer because I was early. I knew how to type, okay? Praise God. If you guys know how to use a computer, like you're already ahead of certain people. So boom, I knew how to use a computer. I stacked that with learning how to use recording software and record music, right? And because I was able to stack that with recording music, then I was able to stack that skill with editing video. Now, editing video became more of a scarce skill. Music was scarce, but then more people started doing music. Now, then video became more scarce because everybody knew music again. And boom, so now I'm editing video. I could get substantially paid more to edit video than I could to be a rapper. So I was utilizing a skill that I needed to be a rapper anyway, and I was using it to be a blessing to other people to do some freelance work. And eventually I landed a job working at my church, making $3,500 a month, which was the most I'd ever made. I thought that was an insane amount of money at the time. I took those new skills that I acquired, and then I started implementing back into my business. And then I transitioned, and all the stuff you guys see me doing now is because I spent two years working on my church, running the media department, running the live streaming, and I was able to implement this into my business now. That's called skill stacking. Skills, and it's probably going to be anchored on stuff you already know how to do. Okay? That is how you earn more money is, hey, the, the, the two biggest variables, the two biggest variables is one, what skill set do you have? Do you have a, a useful skill set? The second biggest variable is... Do you have a network of people? If you have great skills, use your skills to bless your network. Start by doing free work and eventually your network will expand and then your skills will expand and then you'll develop more and more useful skills and expand your network. And then before you know it, you can be that guy in that niche of your market or whatever. And it doesn't all have to be about being an entrepreneur or being a YouTuber. That's just what I'm doing. You, most people, like 95% of people are probably way more likely to use this, this mentality and this approach to bless their current employer and to go and work with someone as an entrepreneur. If you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? So here, Jesus is saying, look, a lot of y'all can, can, can just be a blessing to someone else's property and manage someone else's property. A lot of us can just be a blessing and just go run and, and help someone else's business 
And then that'll be a byproduct of your own thing, maybe flourishing, or maybe you're just like, yo, this is way easier to just work in an organization that already has stability, already has a product. I don't have to work as hard. I don't have to think as hard. I don't got to take on all the rest. Boom. This is going to be the most direct path to you prospering, okay? To you flourishing financially. Not name it and claim it. I'm just going to believe it and see it and manifest it nonsense, okay? Now, your mindset does matter. What you think about the world matters. So if you're watching this and you're like, Ruslan, that's nonsense. And the little man can't get ahead. It's just too hard out here. There's no money. 1%, all that. Okay. That's a self-fulfilling prophecy. What you believe about the world will determine how you behave. If that's how you view everything and I'm presenting these ideas to you, I'm not more special than you. I don't come from a wealthy family. I don't even think I'm that talented, to be honest. I'm just freaking resilient because, I don't know, daddy issues. My my mom was an alcoholic and I just kind of held on and look up and it's like, holy moly, we're doing multiple six figures. We're crushing it. We have multiple revenue streams. And it's because I just been faithful and just stuck it out and kept developing more useful because I'm no special than any of you guys, right? So if if, if this is resonating, I want to leave you guys with this one idea. I do not believe in the prosperity gospel, especially the way Steve Harvey presented it. But I do believe that if you're in North America and you're of able body and sound mind, that the gospel can help you prosper. Okay, hear me loud and clear. I don't believe in this name it, claim it, prosperity gospel where you can just believe it, see it, and boom, God's going to zap it. You want a new car? Boom, new car for you. You want a new house? New house for you. I don't believe that. But I do believe that if you live in North America, in, in America, you've been transformed and regenerated. God's giving you a new desire, a new heart, your able body and sound mind. I do believe that living your life God's ways will help you prosper, will help you flourish, will help you become more useful, will help you become a better steward, will help you become more faithful, will help you progress despite your background and where you came from. Okay, this is what I mean. Last, last metaphor. I think it's fitness metaphor, so just forgive me. Are there exceptions to the rule when it comes to getting shredded and becoming fit? Yes, there are exceptions to the rule, meaning that there's that one kid, he's always been an athlete since he was 17, he could eat whatever he wants, and he's still walking around shredded. And there are definitely people that have thyroid issues and have all kinds of chemical imbalances and have low testosterone, whatever, those people exist. But generally speaking, if you consume less than you burn, generally speaking, if you track your protein, generally speaking, if you learn compound lifts, Almost anyone who's of able body and sound mind can get shredded and get into amazing shape. Almost anyone. And it's the same way with finances. No, everybody's not going to be rich, just like everybody's not going to have abs, okay? But that doesn't mean that anyone who is of able body and sound mind can't have abs. You guys following along? And so if, if you're looking at the world and you're like, ah, I'm, you know, whatever, I'm too skinny, I'm too fat, I'm too this, I'm too that, I'll come from a broke family, I don't know, okay... That doesn't mean that you can't develop the skills. Now, we all don't come from the same starting point. We all have very different backgrounds. We all have different perspectives. We all have different uh, trauma. We all have different things. But generally speaking, if you show up to the gym, you learn to compound lifts, you stop eating as much processed food, you cut out the bread, you start eat, you start eating more lean protein, more green vegetables, right? You get eight hours of sleep. You drink more water. You show up. You learn to compound lifts. In a year, almost anyone can get shredded, okay? But... That doesn't mean everyone's going to get shredded. That gap is is where you need to examine on what you really want out of life. What has God called you to? What are your values? So on and so forth. So nothing is ever guaranteed, but you keep showing up and considering you don't have some wild tragedy happen to you, considering you don't get really sick, 
over time, your financial situation will change, right? And I think that's the part that's most frustrating about Steve Harvey is that he leaves out everything he did in the interim. I was sleeping in my car, I asked God to make me rich. You leave out the decades of work that you put in to get to the position that you're at. And then you have the nerve to oversimplify this entire process, which requires a ton of sacrifice, which requires a ton of hard work, which requires a ton of commitment to get to where you're at. And I think that is such a disservice to what people are going through on a day-to-day basis. And so that was the part that was probably most triggering for me is like, man, you're just, you're speaking so flippantly about real things, a real people are going through so those are my thoughts on this man let me know what y'all think all right king stream entertainment bruce lawn but if it's not about money and you're still wondering why you haven't had your prayers answered check out my buddy what do you mean who just put out a video on this very same topic it's right over here make sure to like subscribe all that good stuff all right peace king stream entertainment bruce lawn